0: So it's Wednesday, and us vineyard folks aren't used to being at church on a Wednesday night, right? If we're going to be honest, we'd rather be at home watching NCIS or something like that. Especially since (laughs) everybody just gets up like, you know, what? That's good advice. Let's just let's get out of here. (laughs) Um. So you guys know it's Hump Day, right? That's what you call Wednesday. So. Like whose hump day has been like this so far? Who's whose hump day is like that? Is that anyone else? Like, if that's you, just give a shout. Just all right. So you're struggling. You're trying to make it. Some of us, you know, at this point, they're like, "Man, hump day. What's the big deal? I'm, I'm good." Maybe, maybe your hump day has been like this. You're you feel really good at this point. It's just like, oh, I'll finally get to sit back, relax a little bit. Now I'm just gonna be honest. This is where I live all day. Hump day. I'm just like I'm happy. I'm happy to be alive. Um, does that look like me? Do you guys think that's me? I got to change it now. I shaved my beard this week. My wife made me, see, I'm, I'm so fickle. I'm so like back and forth about things. Thanks a lot, Sanjay. Um, I've like been saying for so long, I really want to grow my beard out. I really want to grow my beard out. But I would always shave it after like two or three weeks. So Jen made me like vow and promise that I wouldn't shave it December, January, or February. But then in March, if I was still feeling like I wanted to shave it, I could do it. And so, woke up really early yesterday morning and shaved that bad boy off. And then, you know, the whole time I was begging her, like, babe, please just let me shave early. Like, come on, just let me go. And she's like, no, you have to stick to it. So, I got this idea I'm going to have a mustache for like a couple months now because she hates that. So, every time she begs me to shave it, I'm just going to remind her of the, what she put me through. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I forgot to bring a water bottle up. Could you give me some water? You can just give me that one. It's okay. Thanks. All right. So a couple weeks ago, Bob Hazlett made this statement. I thought it was really, really good. Bob was here um, about two weeks ago, speaking to the church. He said, if you have a identity, if you have a Christ identity, you won't have an identity crisis. He said, if you have a Christ identity, you won't have an identity crisis. That's good. I I love that because it's all about Jesus. (laughs) Even when we kind of like start to figure it out for ourselves, who are we? We just start to figure out more about Jesus. You know, if you want to learn more about you, learn more about Jesus. Don't even worry about you. Learn more about Jesus. Search this thing and figure out everything you can about Jesus and then do this really scandalous, crazy, illegal thing. Believe that it's true about you. Read stuff in here about him and then start applying it to your life. Start saying, All right, that's a good word. I'm, I'm looking in a mirror right now. I'm looking in a mirror because that, that's who I am. That's who Jesus has made me to be. And, you know, tonight I was tasked with focusing especially on righteousness. Who knows that Jesus was righteous, right? Like, everybody would raise their hand for that instantly. We all know Jesus was righteous. It's kind of like, who knows Jesus is the son of God? Every raise their hand. Who knows that you know, Jesus died for our sins? Okay, everybody. Who knows that Jesus was righteous? Boom, like immediately, we all know that. But if I were to say, who knows that you are righteous? Who knows that you sitting in that chair right now, you're righteous? Yeah, a, couple, a bunch more hands come up, but not all of them. Like that should be, we should be as quick about that one as we are about Jesus being righteous. Because that's what he did for us. He died so that we could become righteous, so that we could live through him a righteous life. And um, I don't think it's any mistake that we uh, struggle to remember this and we struggle to uh, really grab onto this because Satan knows that like this is the place to attack. He knows that our identity... And who we are and what Christ has done for us is a place he wants to challenge us. And he's just going to come against it and against it and against it. And just every time you fail, every time you mess up, he's going to say, look, that experience you're having right now, that shows that you're not righteous. What kind of righteous, you know, he's always bringing our experiences up to try and tell us who we are. You know, what the trick is this tells us who we are, not our experience. If you, uh, if you were here for Bob, this is the kind of thing, it's talk to the rubber, right? When he, said, when he says, look at your experience, look, you just messed up, you failed in this way, you sinned. No, that's, that's just an experience you're having in that moment. That's not who you are. And I want to convince you that tonight, that um, you are who God says you are. You're not who you say you are, unless it's the same thing that God's saying, okay? You're who God says you are. You don't have the right to determine who you are. Think about it that way. Is are your thoughts higher than his thoughts? (laughs) Are your thoughts about yourself always lining up here? That's where they need to be. See, I love it that we call um, these ones teachings because that means I get to be a little more direct. You know, Sunday mornings we say it's a message. Because that's a little more like uh, tame, and I have to be really nice, and I have to like say things ways that like an unbeliever would understand it. But that's not tonight, folks. All right, <laughs> tonight's a teaching, and I know what that means. So uh, I'm just going with you. Let me pray real quick, and then um, I just want to run through some truth with you guys and uh, get you in your small groups. Because you know this this is all a big trick to get you guys to be friends. <laughs> that's why we're doing this. We're having you come here and listen to us preach so you guys will get in small groups and talk to each other. <laughs> Seriously, like, all of you, you laughed, but I'm dead serious. Like, that is for real what we want. We want this church to be a place of community, a place where we're growing into being more disciples together and in, in, in small groups. Like that's really, that, that's really where it's at. It's no, it's no uh, coincidence that Jesus never pastored a big church. He had a group of 12. <laughs> I love the church. I'm not saying anything weird about like church, but seriously, like invest in those relationships these next several weeks. Invest in, the, in your group and get to know those people, because Jesus is inside of them as much as He is in you. There's stuff to learn from everybody in your group. no matter if they're one day old in God or they're 10 years old in God. there's stuff to learn from everybody. So um, same Holy Spirit. there's no junior holy Spirit. There's no one-day-old Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit's pretty old and pretty smart. He's also, like, really young somehow. I don't get that, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to pray before this gets any uh, more off course. So, Jesus, we love you. and We just uh, thank you that you spoke so much truth during your time on earth. <laughs> It's just like, it's amazing how much truth you spoke and with the joy you spoke it, God. I just say that, I just declare right now that truth is something that brings joy and liberation and freedom. Truth is nothing to be scared of. Truth is what our heart is after. Truth will set us free. Knowing you better will set us free. So Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, we welcome you to come be in here tonight. We welcome you to, ter- to direct this evening. We-, we welcome you to wreck everything we understand about ourselves. We want to think your thoughts about us, not our thoughts. Jesus' name, amen. So uh, one, one um, Monday morning a month, I uh, meet up with Cheryl Pfeiffer, Susan Steffens, and Melody Storman, three amazing women at this church who, who um, all have something in common. They're all mothers. They have a couple of kids, and they've all been involved in our School of Kingdom Ministry in some degree or another. Some of them are still students, some are... Uh, Uh, Or Melody is still a student. Cheryl and Susan graduated last year. Uh, Melody's gone on to the second year. She didn't fail or anything. I made it kind of sound like that. But no, uh, they're just like, man, we love School Kingdom Ministry so much. We love learning how to do activations and how to hear God speak. We love going to the mall and praying for people. We want, like, our kids to experience this. We don't want to rob them of that experience. And so they asked me, hey, would you be willing to, like, hang out with us and our kids once a month and, um, like, do some activations, talk about the gospel and, like, evangelism a little bit, and then go to the mall together and, and pray, pray for strangers? I said, yeah, of course. Like, I love kids. Like, that's right up my alley. That's so fun. And so uh, this is the second time we've done it this past Monday. And Caden, uh, who's 10, right? And uh, Marley, who I think is like eight years old, uh, and I were walking around together in the mall, um, just looking for people to pray for and love on. And yeah, right here at Northgate Mall. And the owner, of the, or the guy that runs, like the head manager, the Boost Mobile or Altel Wireless, one of those, uh, one of those like cell phone companies that store, his name is Mawith, Mawith. And he's Indian. He's a Muslim. And he's an immigrant, you know, to the United States. He hasn't lived here for super long. And I've kind of developed a friendship with him somewhat because I love Muslims. Just, like, so much. I love Muslims. Like, I mean, I love everybody. But I have a special, like, this love. My heart beats for Muslims in a way that is, uh, I don't even know why. You know, ask my parents. They must have made me watch a bunch of Middle Eastern movies when I was a kid or something. But, uh. No, so I just I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to take Caden and Marley into the Boost Mobile store, and we'll meet, Mui- or I'll introduce them to Muith, and uh, we, you know we'll we'll pray for him and love on him because him and I we've developed some level of friendship. We know each other, and uh, I just knew that hey, that'd be that'd be fun and positive. So. We're walking in the store, and I, before we get in, I stopped and said, hey, Caden, Marley, do you guys know like, what a Muslim is? Do you, do you know what a Muslim is? And They said, oh, yeah, we, we know what Muslims are. I said, cool. Do you guys think Jesus loves Muslims? And they said, yeah. Like, it was like, what? Like, <laughs> what kind of stupid question is that? Of course he loves Muslims. I was like, okay, good, good. You guys are ahead of me, honestly. Um, I was like, okay, let's go. We're going to pray for my Indian friend, Mouidh. So we go into the store and um, start talking with him. Introduce Kane and Marley to him, and uh, they're, we're kind of just chatting and having fun a little bit. And then I asked him, "We well, like, we would love to pray for you." And I've prayed for him before, so he it wasn't like strange. And I was like, "You know, we'd love to pray for you." Um, and you know, Muslims have several different kind of like forms that they pray. the The most common way that we perceive them praying is called the Salah, and it's uh, a, day, uh, a prayer they do five times a day. But uh, they also have like a more um, just like down-to-earth way that they pray, like kind of how we pray that's called dua'a, dua, D-U-A. And it's just like their way of just like in the moment praying to God, like right there. They don't have to go to the mosque. They don't have to, you know, grab a rug or anything like that. And so I'm like, can we make dua'a for you? Like, how can we make dua for you? We'd love to pray for you. And he said, yes, yes, please. You know, I was trying to debate on whether or not me doing his accent would be inappropriate, but... <laughs> I'm just not going to. Uh, I thought it'd be funny, but then, you know, it might be like perceived as racist somehow, so I won't do it. Even though this is a Wednesday night and this is a teaching, so I'm allowed to do things crazy. But uh, no, he said, I said, yeah, of course, please pray for me. Um, my family's finances, you know, I send finances back to my family in India. Could you please pray for that? And I said, yeah, of course. But first, Muiz, could we tell you a quick story about Jesus? Because Jesus is the point. You know, like, that, that's the whole point of everything, is talking about Jesus. Like, in some way or another, the conversation should get somehow to Jesus. So I'm like, can we tell you a quick story about Jesus? He said, yeah, of course, please do. And I, okay, well, since Caden and Marley are with me, you know, since some kids are with me, I want to tell you a story about Jesus interacting with kids. And I just went on to tell him about uh, Jesus being surrounded with kids and playing with kids. And I like to imagine Jesus like tickling them and doing the horsey ride thing on his knee and like throwing them on his shoulder, tossing them in the air and just playing with them. Like Jesus would have been all out fun. He would have been like the fun uncle to play with kids. And so I just told him, you know, Jesus is just surrounded with kids. He's playing with them, having fun. And then his disciples, you know, his followers come up to him and, and they start pushing all the kids away and saying, get away, get away. Like get away from our master, get away from the rabbi. And Jesus, hey guys, chill out. <laughs> like you, you, Don't tell the kids, I love kids. I want to play with them. Stop, stop. What are you doing? And then he goes, in fact, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be like one of them. (laughs) You can't, like, you're pushing them away. You need to be imitating them. Come get on my lap, Peter. Get over here right now. Like, it's time to play. (laughs) And uh, so I just told him that story. And he he loved it, of course. He said, yes, yes, Wilson, I love Jesus. I I love Jesus so much. And and he said, Jesus is a nubby. He is is a prophet. He is a messenger. And nubby means like one sent from God with a message. And I said, you're right. I agree. He is a messenger. He is a prophet. He came with a message. And that message was the gospel. Because, you know, that's true. Jesus was a prophet. Like, if anybody's ever been a prophet, hello, Jesus. Like... (laughs) I mean, he was a bunch of other things. He was the son of God. He was a pretty great pastor and evangelist and apostle. He was everything, you know, right? Like he wasn't just, he was probably amazing administratively. You know, we don't give Jesus much credit for his administrative capabilities. But boy, could he make you a spreadsheet, I bet. Dude, like Jesus would just crank out Excel doc. Like seriously. But um, I said, yeah, Jesus... He, he was a great, he was a messenger. He brought a message. It was called the gospel. And I said, but you know what? One of my favorite names for Jesus is. He said, what? And I said, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. And I said, in the Quran, I, I said, in the Quran, it's Isa al messiah Isa al messiah And he said, oh yes, Isa, Messiah, Isa, Messiah. And cause you know, he doesn't speak Arabic. He speaks Hin- Hindi or, or Tamil or something like that. And, um, yeah, Issa Messiah. And I said, Oh, cool, move, you've heard that title. What do you know what Messiah means? What Messiah, what messy means? Do you know what that means? And he said, Oh, yeah. It's someone who um then he started doing this motion. He said, It's someone who like takes away the bad, It's someone who takes away bad things that takes away sin, someone who takes sin away. They they, they take all the bad stuff away. He kept on doing this motion. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly right. Like, whoa, come on, dude, you're preaching the gospel to yourself. This is awesome. <laughs> and uh i turned and i said now muiz why do you think jesus was called the messiah why do you think he was called messiah messiah why why do you think he was called that and um he was just like for real consternation like deep thought and questioning was going on in his face. Like you could tell he'd never thought about this before. You could tell he knew who Jesus was and he knew what a Messiah was or what a Messiah did, but he never put together that Isa Messiah did that. (laughs) So he's just like, what? Uh, What? Like he's he's legitimately thinking of it for the first time I could tell. And um, so I turned to Caden and I thought, you know, I've been giving kids all this credit with this story. I just told to Jesus, I better, get Caden and Marley involved right now. So I turned to Caden, I say, Caden, um, why was Jesus why was Jesus the Messiah? What ah, I don't like that. Why was Jesus the Messiah? What's up with that? And Caden said, It's because Jesus came to bring peace to the earth. It's because Jesus came to bring peace peace on earth. And I said, That's exactly right, Caden. Jesus came to take away our sin so that we could have peace with God, Mouith without with with all of our sin and with us being sinners we couldn't have peace with God so Jesus came as the Messiah to take that away for us so we could be at peace with God and I mean that's amazing and profound his parents are doing it right obviously that he can speak on the dot like that and just like it was really cool and it kind of got me thinking I was like you know that's amazing we preached we got to share the gospel with this Muslim dude like with Muith, who, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him around here. He asked me, how do I become a member of your church? And like, I'd love to come pray there and stuff like that. And you know what? I have no problem. Well, here's one thing. I don't have the final say on this. But I have absolutely no problem with a Muslim coming to our church and praying. I have no problem with that at all. And so I told him, dude, come up. We're on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The office is open 9 to 5. Here's my phone number. Anytime you come up here and pray, you are welcome to. Like, Please do. And, um, but I was, I was thinking about that. Sorry, my throat's getting, my dad always tells me to bring, a uh, cough drops up here, but it's like, that's an old guy thing. I don't want to bring cough drops here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <coughs> all right. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> So I'm thinking like, so I'm thinking, um, you know, we got to share the gospel with them. This is awesome, but that's not the whole gospel. You know, that's not the whole message, but it tends to be the one that we get most excited about. It's kind of like we all have this amazing understanding. If I was in a room full of people, oh, what do you know? I'm in a room full of people. And I were to ask it, uh, why did Jesus die? Why did he die on the cross? Every hand would shoot up and you'd tell me to die for our sins, to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Oh, duh, Wilson, come on, forgiveness. Like that's why he died on the cross. So we'd be forgiven of our sins. And in that same room, I said, okay, why do you have to rise? Why do you have to be, why did he not stay dead? I think there'd be a little more uh, like hesitancy, like, well, it's not good for God to be dead. Uh, God can't be dead. He can't say it. like, but you know what? That's a really important thing that he rose from the dead, especially when it comes to our righteousness. It's even come to this point where it's like, Jesus rose from the dead. He, our sins are forgiven. Woo! Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we're like, and he ro- rose from the dead. He rose from the dead also. And uh, he's alive now. And, and I, you know, I'm kind of doing that tongue-in-cheek because I know that we're just excited that he rose from the dead as that he was crucified, okay? I'm not saying that like we have this horrible distortion of the gospel, but I do think there's something to be said about what you understand is what you'll get excited about. And what you understand is what you're going to experience. What you understand is what you're going to experience here right now. So I bet a lot of people in this room can tell you, oh, I'm forgiven. But when it comes to saying I'm righteous... I'm not sure. I did honk at that guy that didn't really deserve to be honked at on the way here. You know, there was that time in like sixth grade where I snagged a candy bar when I wasn't supposed to out of the store without paying. Or it should be more real. You know, I did uh, sleep with my girlfriend last week and I don't think that's where Or, you know, I have been uh, you know, drinking in excess. Just to be real. You know, like, I mean, those are, those are real uh, examples of why you might not think you're righteous also. But this is the constant struggle. This is the constant thing the devil is trying to come after us with. He's trying to say, look at your experience, now develop a belief. He's saying, look at what you did, believe it, that's who you are now. When the Christian life is the, is the reverse of that. It's, I believe, and now I'm going to have the positive experience. Belief, when we believe right, our experiences will follow suit. That's not a universal thing because we're not in heaven yet, okay? Because the kingdom isn't here in its totality yet. But while we're here on earth, if we believe right, we'll we'll very likely we'll experience a lot better. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? We need to understand and believe truth, and then we will experience truth. Truth will come out of us, a lifestyle that is not dictated by sin. A lifestyle full of confidence will be breathed out of us then when we start to understand and believe truth. And that's the number one thing the enemy is going to come after is truth, us believing truth. He wants us to get things twisted. He wants us to be dictated by our experience. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, time back into this whole like, w- what happened to the cross? W- why do we rise from the dead thing? Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Half of you guys can shout this out to me, I'm sure. But Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. That's happened on the cross. Sin was paid for, we're forgiven. The new has come. That's what happened when he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, we became new. That's why he had to rise. So we could live a new full life. And that newness equals righteousness. That's what, that's what being new means is It means you're, you are now righteous. It's not about your actions. It's not about, um, did I think, right? Did I do this or that? Right? How many times have I prayed today? That's not what righteousness is about. Righteousness is about what Jesus did, not about what you're doing right now. It's, it's, it's a thing that is like, um, I'm not even proposing that you just tonight take hold of this and say, okay, that's the truth. I'd encourage you to investigate this on your own. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the different scriptures that will pop up tonight, take these and chew on them this week. Take these and chew on them in your group that we're going to be in in just a couple minutes. Um, so yeah, back to 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this was a big thing my dad emphasized last week, in Christ, in union, one. That's what that means. This isn't something we get apart from being united with Christ. We are in Christ. When it says in there, (coughs) it's not talking about like, this is now in my pocket. That's not what it means. It's saying like one with, together, like inseparable, combined. That's what it means to be in Christ. It means that you guys, our history's flipped and we're in him now. We don't have that old history. That old history was nailed to the cross. That's what happened. All right. Bob, here's another great quote from Bob. He said, Bob Hazlett, he said, The cross isn't a second chance. You know, we, we, it's easy to think of it that way. It's easy to think of, like, okay, so the first time, my first time, I messed it up. I was destined to fail. But now I'm getting this second chance at life. No, it's a whole new thing. He said, he, Let me finish that quote The cross isn't a second chance. We are born again, it's a totally fresh start totally first-time experience, fresh start. The life you live as a born-again new believer is totally 100% different from the old life you lived. And where we have to hold on to that is that our experience isn't, is not the main evidence for that truth. Your experience isn't the main evidence for the Bible being true. That would, that would really stink. <laughs> because then what would truth be? And you know, that's like, what, uh, that's like a big problem today is that people don't feel like there's absolute truth. Truth is in question. Truth for me is different than Jim. Truth for me is different than for, you know, Dennis or Dwayne or, it's Dwayne, right? <laughs> Sorry. That's the problem, right? Like that truth is an absolute and it's because of experiences. That's why we gotta be found here. That's why this needs to be the beginning of every day is, is diving into this thing and applying it and saying, okay, It's hard to believe some of that stuff based on what I experienced, but I'm going to choose to believe this because it's been around longer than me and it's been around longer than my experience and the Holy Spirit wrote it. (laughs) That's a pretty good reason right there. God wrote this book. It's, It's full of good stuff. So I'm kind of all over the place. But just to recap, where I'm trying to be headed is that Jesus rising from the dead, the significance of that is we get new life from that. That's where the whole, I'm a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. That comes from the resurrection. On the cross, the old me, the sinful me was put to death. When he rose from the dead, the new me was risen also. We're gonna look at that in Romans 6 here in just a minute. But moving down that passage, down to 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is another one of those verses where it's just like, you got to read it over and over, and like the first time you read it, you go on your Bible app and you switch translations twenty times because you can't believe that that's really what the verse is saying. You're like, "Oh, I got to go see that in NKJV." Oh, I got to go look in the Greek. Uh, no, like it's it's true. Second Corinthians five twenty one. It's the same in every translation I've checked. Believe it. It's it's amazing. Okay, for our sake, he made him. He there is God. For our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who else Who else? like just does a screeching halt and slams their brakes at this line? He made him to be sin. What? <laughs> Jesus, what? Like, that's a whole another week. We're going to get to that, okay? I'm not even going to tackle that. But that's what it says. He made him to be sin. Like, In proportion to how ridiculously crazy that is, think about if, if think about the implications of it then. If just that idea at a surface level is hard to grasp, think about what that could possibly imply for our life. Don't think too hard, you'll get a headache. So that in him, again, it's reemphasizing that union. It's, it's a union that makes us all true. It's not, it's not based off of what we do. It's based off of what God has done, what Jesus has done. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that uh, it's possible for God to be displeased with his own Righteousness. Do you think it's possible for God to be displeased with his own righteousness? You know what that means? He's pleased with you. He's pleased with all you guys. He's pleased with you. Think about that. God, the guy that created the universe, he's pleased with you guys. I'm not sure about you guys. There's something weird. No. He's pleased with you. (laughs) He's pleased with you. Amen. Here me asking another question: Is it possible for God's righteousness to not cut it? Is it possible for God's righteousness to somehow not be enough in a certain situation? You're enough. Hey, you're enough. You're enough. <laughs> oh man, I just how can you not laugh? It's like, how amazing is that? How powerful is God's righteousness? How powerful is it? You're powerful. You are powerful. Hey, just say that with me. I'm powerful. I'm powerful. God is pleased with me. I am enough. I am more than enough. Come on. yeah. <laughs> Bob Hazlitt's uh, man. I just like that guy. I have a crush on Bob Hazlett, guys. I'm just being to be honest with you. When he was talking about praying in the spirit, and all that dude, I was just dying. That guy was awesome. Um, but see, here's the battleground. Satan wants us to live from experience. He wants us to live from experience. The second we start living from experience, we're playing into his hand. We can't do that. We can't live from experience. We've got to stand on truth, even when it feels so absolutely wrong. You know, part of it is that we have an inner compass for justice. So when we mess up, we feel like um, we deserve to feel the way we're feeling. That, that's, part of our de- that's part of our human makeup. It's part of God's character in us, is our hunger for justice. So, I mean, that's a good thing. But don't let that turn on you. Because justice it was served at the cross, we, we don't serve our own justice. Justice was served by Jesus on the cross. We don't know our, how we're feeling about ourselves in the moment. That's not justice. That's injustice. That's Satan. Justice is, I am enough. I am powerful. I am righteous. And Satan, you guys know what I'm about to do. You can talk to the rubber. <laughs> I'll tell you really quick. Bob, was in case you weren't here for that weekend, he was telling a story about how he was um, like praying and feeling really under a spiritual attack. And he felt like God reminded him of this saying that his, his sister had said to him, a bunch of he was a kid, that was, I'm rubber, you're glue, bounces off of me, sticks to you. So we're rubber, Satan's glue, he throws it at us, bounces off, bounces off of us, and sticks back on him. I'm rubber. I love that. All right, I'm going to do, I'm just going to take like two more minutes and hit Romans 6. And then uh, we're going to get into our groups and just, like, be revived. Just say, I'm revived. This this truth, like, right here in your heart, revival is happening in your heart by knowing this truth. You know? So, (laughs) man, you just got to laugh. So, you just get alone sometime and just laugh. Like, force it. Fake it. Just laugh hard. Okay? Listen to this really quick. I wasn't planning on going here, but... Um, Romans 14, 17 says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. We're hitting that tonight and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. What does joy look like? It looks like laughing. I mean, that's the main way he for me is like when I'm happy, I laugh. Even if it's not funny, that's how I react when I'm really happy. If I'm going to be honest, laughter comes out. So, hey, you're not forcing it. This is who you are. Just because you're experiencing a moment. I'm not saying that, you know, when your dog dies, go just laugh. Okay? (laughs) Like you could take this some weird place or you could, you know, there's a time to mourn. Weep with those who weep. More with those who mourn. But I think it's a healthy discipline just to get alone once a day and laugh for a couple minutes. And even if you're faking it at first, it'll become real because you'll start laughing at yourself. And then the Holy Spirit starts laughing with you and you're just like, you know, getting weak with the Holy Spirit. You guys know what getting weak means? It's vernacular for uh, the youngsters like me. And it means laughing really hard. So everybody say, tomorrow morning... I'm going to get weak. All right, come on. Yeah, that's right. All right. Everyone's like, wait, you just said I was powerful. All right, so Romans 6. (coughs) What's the time, Jen? Cool. Romans 6, starting in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the... I'm reading too fast. I'm going to slow down. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Isn't that cool that that same glory that raised Jesus from the dead comes and visits us sometimes on Sunday mornings? Who's been here before on Sunday morning? It's like, man, the glory of the Lord is here. Like, this is powerful. It's cool. That's the same thing that rose Jesus from the dead. That's cool, man. For if, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Quick sidebar. Is Jesus ever going to be more alive than he is right now? No. No. Will you ever be alive more than you are right now then? <laughs> for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I don't know. I think we're, I don't know. I mean, this is, it's up for debate. I'm not like the scholar resident, but I like to think I'm pretty alive right now. I think that when I, when I got born again, that was the last time I died right there because I'm born again now. And I'm, this is where I'm going from now on. I'm going to have this experience where my heart stops beating and then I get a better body. But I don't think that's death. I think that's more life, right? So anyways. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Come on, let us believe that. Let us live that, Jesus. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. If you just think about it, it's funny that we might, like, obvious, yeah, we'll never die again. Like, I don't know. It's, it's humorous to me that we even have to, like, think, like, oh, wait, yeah, Jesus won't die again. Okay. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin... Once for all. For the death he died, he died... Wait. Sometimes you don't read. For the death he died, he died to sin. He died, he died. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all. But the life he lives, he... (laughs) (laughs) He died, he died, he lives, he lives. (laughs) Uh, Okay. this is where we're going to stop for the death he died he died to sin once for all but the life he lived he lives to God so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus (laughs) are you guys clapping because I finished reading or because you like that <laughs> yes. All right, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, really quick, this word consider. Could you get that slide up for me, Son Jay? About consider. All right, this word consider, when we think of it in the English language, usually we mean it like, hey, consider this, or think about it, or like, here's my opinion. But that's not what it means here. That's not in the Greek what that word means. It's a, it means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, to count over. This is like a mathematical accounting term. It's not saying, so in your opinion, you're dead to sin. It's saying, hey, the bottom line, fact of the matter, is you're dead to sin. It's actually saying, because of everything I just said, add all of that up. Like, add it up that he died and that he lives again, that he'll never die again, and that he um, is set free from sin, all that stuff. Add all that up, and what that equals is, you're dead to sin. That's what that means. That's why he uses that word, consider. And also, just the word, so, reinforces that. So, you must also, that's kind of like saying, therefore, which is like, you know, the big question, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's for everything that came before it. Therefore means everything that was just said before leads to this point. It's like, Hey, I'm doing all this. I'm saying all this stuff. I'm painting the picture in and out, coloring in every square, checking every box so that you can know you're dead to sin. He didn't just come out and say, Hey, you're dead to sin. He said, I'm going to prove it to you step by step by step by step by step. So consider yourself dead to sin. And then it's even, even it gets even better. And alive to God. See, you have to, you're, the true experience of feeling alive to God really only comes after you realize you're dead to sin. Amen. The life you experience when you realize you're dead to sin is like no other life you'll ever experience. When you experience that life, or when you understand that truth, when you get that truth in this noggin, when you get that punched in here and just like ground in there, then you experience life. That's when you really start to feel, oh, oh, hey, God, you've been, you mean you've been standing there the whole time? I thought that like all that stuff I did made you go on the other side of the room. I didn't know that I was actually dead to it. Yeah, well, you've been dead to it the whole time, bud. Like, come on, catch up with me. You've been dead to it the whole time. I've been right next to you the whole time. I haven't seen that. Like, when you when you think about it this way, that puts into perspective versus like, Verses like Hebrews 8, 12. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. I will never again remember their sins. That's another one of those verses where you start checking it in every single translation and you're like, wait, come on, this, this is an error. This is a who, who, who messed with my Bible? This isn't right. No, that's, that's what it says. He will never again remember your sins. And what that means is He says, I fully took care of your sins on the cross. That's what he's trying to say is, hey, I killed my son. I killed my son. I loved him. I beat him like horribly. I took care of it so that you wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Start believing it, please. Like, that's what I feel like God's saying. Like, come on, man. Like, I took care of sin. I took care of it. You're dead to it. Now it's time for you to walk in life with me. And don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Don't let your experience tell you otherwise. Don't let any person tell you otherwise. Just kiss it, man. Just like right. Just like, "Oh, I love that. That's so good. That's such good truth." That's the truth I'm talking about. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to jump into our uh, groups. And I don't know how to do that, so somebody come. Okay, good so Holy Spirit just breathe life on us thank you that we're alive to God (laughs) thank you that we're alive to you Father thank you that we're enough thank you that we're powerful thank you that we're righteous don't don't stop praying but just to remind you that righteous means the way you were meant to be you're you can truly be yourself this is who you were meant to be dead to sin. That's who you were meant to be. That's the real you, dead to sin you. So Lord, keep our hearts in tune with that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you teach us. Thank you that you show us the right way, that you will never let us like go on in, in doing the wrong thing or believing the wrong thing. But let us be focused on the first thing first, and that's that we're dead to sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm.